I'm going to uh, start my reading of the scripture from verse 17 instead of from verse 14, simply because of time. The Holy Spirit is speaking, of course, to Ezekiel, the prophet. And if you have your Bibles, you can check in verse, or rather chapter 3, verse 19, 17, excuse me. And uh, if you have you version on a smartphone, you can tap that up on and go to live and follow along in the outline, even make notes for future reference. So the Spirit of the Lord has captivated Ezekiel and brought him to himself. And then said in verse 17, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. So we, we get to understand quickly what responsibilities watchmen have. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. That's pretty straight, huh? Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. So he's given given Ezekiel amazing insight into his responsibilities. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin, and he does not sin. He shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your soul. Wow, Father, you have placed this message on my heart today. You brought your people here to hear it. So, Holy Spirit, find us in this room. Find our hearts. Find us in your love and mercy. Bless us. If there's need for correction, grant it. And begin it with me. So thank you for your mercy and your grace that's manifested here today. I need your anointing. Your truth needs to be delivered. Thank you for victory today in Jesus' name. God has made his pastors watchmen. That's what we're called to do. That's one of the functions of an under-shepherd. I have in my office a drawing, a pencil drawing of carbon. And it's an interesting one because it depicts the shepherd with his staff, some lambs at his legs, bottom of his legs, and up on a little ridge, a couple of wolves eyeballing the lambs, but the shepherd looking squarely at the wolves. Don't even think about it. Isaiah said, I stand continually on the watchtower in the daytime. I have sat at my post every night. So there is a sense of great responsibility and diligence You are there, bad weather, good weather, cold weather, hot weather. You're continually on watch. Watchman, what of the night? Question, what's going on? The call of the watchman was and still is, what are you hearing of our times? I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, that they shall never hold their peace day or night. So these people need to be speaking. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. I wish our pastors would heed that today. 
We're silent on a lot of issues, except feel-good issues. But we need to be speaking about issues of soul and of matter and of substance. A watchman is one sent by the Holy Spirit. He cannot condemn the righteous or encourage the wicked. He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them alike, are an abomination to the Lord. So God tells his watchmen, give my people warning from me. Not only, be, not only to the wicked, but to the righteous. And faithfully warn them of what I've given to you from my heart. Speak it to them. And if you do, you have delivered your soul. And these words keep ringing in my heart. Do not keep silent. And with the issues we're facing today, it's incumbent upon ministry to speak clearly and with a, with a very strong voice about the matters and issues of our times. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks. Huh. I've known a lot of watchmen in my ministry lifetime. Men of God, some of them very close to the Lord. They had a word from the Lord when they spoke. They knew the times in which they lived. God spoke to them, but they couldn't handle the words or the looks of God's people. And they stopped expressing the mind of God because there was a price to pay for doing that. So where are the watchmen? Men with foreheads of granite, like adamant stone, harder than flint, I have made your forehead, God told that prophet. So no matter what people think of you, you speak the mind of God. And if you remain in my presence, he says, I'll bring you a word for the righteous and for the wicked. So there's a cry in my heart today. And the watchman is not just called to speak the impending judgments of God, but also to speak of his grace and his mercy. So this morning I'll share what God is saying in both areas. And he said, say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. For why should you die, O house of Israel? So to the one who turns, God makes this promise. None of his sins which he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is lawful and right. He shall surely live. So, boy, if we would just make that turn, what God wouldn't do for us. So I have a warning to give first, and I'm going to talk to you about the promise. And I'm seeing things that are grieving the heart of God today. And that disturbed his spirit. One of those is the de- defamation of the person and character of the Holy Spirit. He's being slandered today. In many churches, he's ignored or even rarely taught about. And the Holy Spirit has been misrepresented. There have been false representations on the other extreme of the Holy Spirit. Some who do not talk about him as if he doesn't exist, and others who misuse his presence. Even foolishness in places where there should be divine order. Some in ministry make a toy out of the Holy Spirit. Where instead of a true manifestation of the Spirit of the living God, there are human manifestations that have very little to do with the presence of the Holy Spirit. There are those rising up believing that they have been given power to seal people against the mark of the beast. Wow. And people are lining up to be sealed by somebody so they can turn compassion. Last time I read it, the Holy Spirit seals us, no persons. Like, I will seal you against the mark of the beast. 
No, I don't think you're capable of doing that. So here's where the error lies. Philip has gone to Samaria. He has a ginormous move of the Holy Spirit, miracles, salvation everywhere. Philip goes down to the city of Samaria. He preached what? Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, many who were paralyzed, and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Would to God that happened here in our city. There was a sorcerer there that was observant of this. And Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. So he attached himself to Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs that were done. And then when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So power of the Lord now is uh, taken to another level. They're baptized in the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And the people received the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands, but it was the Holy Spirit they received. They didn't receive human impartation. They received the Holy Spirit. And as men and women, we are vessels, and he's the power. You are a conduit by which the Holy Spirit moves into a hungry heart. So Simon the sorcerer is baptized, and now he's hanging out with Philip, and he's observant of what's going on. And Simon saw that through the laying out of hands, people were receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. So he offered the apostles money to possess the gift of the laying out of hands. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered the money and said, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now here's Peter's response in a very nicely written, culturally correct English version. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, <laughs> because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. And that's, that's what he said. But Peter was a little more, uh, like, direct. And Peter was telling him where he and his money could go. That's what Peter was saying. Okay? It was very serious. And it wasn't funny. It was direct. He said, don't you, don't you tamper with this precious power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you remember, it was Peter as well who addressed Ananias and Sapphira in the church a little bit later who were trying to fool around with the power of the Holy Spirit, and they both dropped dead in that church service. For what? Lying to the Holy Spirit. Okay? So it's serious stuff when you invite the presence of the Holy Spirit. So, so you either, he says, you, you, you have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. So here's the danger. Simon wanted to buy the gift of impartation. He was not willing to pay the price that Peter and John paid for their walk with God. And, when, and see, when they laid hands on hungry people, the Holy Spirit would impart himself, would manifest. And Simon wanted to bypass the prayer closet. He wanted to bypass the mortification of the flesh. 
he would bypass denying himself and picking up his cross every day. He said, just give it to me so I can impart it to whomever I choose. Anyone who lines up in the prayer line, I'll lay hands on them. Listen to me. I'll just kind of play with the Holy Spirit, but live the life I want to live the way I choose to live it. This man was bound by bitterness. He was bound by iniquity. He wants a shortcut. He doesn't want to pay a price. No heart searching. No surrender to the Holy Spirit. I just want the power. It's fun to play with. You don't play with the Holy Spirit. And there are denominational pastors that are hungry for the Holy Spirit. They're tired of their liturgy and no anointing and all well and good because there's earnest hunger. But there has to be growth and there has to be change along with that hunger. Manifestations without growth is not the will of the Holy Spirit because there are no shortcuts to the work of the Holy Spirit. So if you haven't stopped daily to pray, and we just come off the week where we had a day of prayer in America, if you haven't stopped daily to pray, if, if like some I've had confessed to me, I haven't prayed in three months. Well, there's no time for him. There's no time to grow spiritually. You take a prayerless man, neglecting God, people seated in church services week after week, they're hungry, some of them, and sincere, the most giving, loving person you can be. And if you're not seeking God and really after Him, not just in church, but during the rest of the week, listen, you open yourself to discouragement, to, to demonic snares, to bitterness creeping into your spirit. And so you say, I can't wait. I have to have something now. So you run to an altar, run to a meeting, want an impartation. But hear the warning. Be careful who lays hands on you. What would have happened if Peter didn't have discernment and he laid his hands on Simon, who was full of sin and bitterness? Simon would have gone out and imparted his own soulish spirit to everybody he touched. So don't let just anybody lay hands on you. Do you know his life? Do you know his walk? Is he living in covenant with his wife? Is he clean of substance abuse? So saints, be in your closet. Seek God. The Holy Spirit will show up in your closet. And there's a cry here today. You can't take shortcuts. We need to seek the face of God in America. It's difficult to find seekers anymore in church. People in leadership who go weeks without prayer too busy. And sometimes I just want to get up and shout, stop! Mothers running everywhere with their kids to dance classes, off to a sporting event. Dads living out their dreams through their children. And it's night and day and night and day, not just a part of your life, but it dominates your life. And pastor wants to warn you, slow down, because if you have no time to pray, no time to seek God, you need to stop and seek him. And for those in ministry, same word, stop, seek the Lord. Because I've met pastors who are discouraged. They're worn thin. They're beaten down. They need a lift. So out of energy, they're too tired to pray, too tired to refuel. And they're going on talent and going on skill. But that's not the answer. You can't lift people if you don't seek the Lord. So why do you hear the cry from the prophets, to sanctify yourself, to cleanse your temple. God says, I'm not going to manifest, listen, until you cleanse the temple. And he says, we are to cleanse the temple. 
getting out the cleaning mode and materials, taking out the trash, anything demonic, anything that's evil. Why did Jesus emphasize the cleaning of the inside as well as the outside of the cup? Because the Jews would wash the cup, and he says, you better clean the inside, not just the outside. Why in the day of Pentecost do you hear the statement, save yourself from this perverse generation? Why? Because the Holy Spirit wants to move in us. He desires to pour himself into us, but he has to have a sanctified body. He has to have a clean vessel, and the Holy Spirit will not fill an unclean vessel. So Simon said that on anyone on whom I lay my hands. Hmm. So when you go to a meeting, warning, have discernment, because they may not be imparting to you the right spirit. It could be a soulish spirit, not the Holy Spirit. If the man is living in sin, even if he reads your mail, it's a spirit of divination, not the Holy Spirit. When it's the Holy Spirit, he will always glorify Jesus. He will always draw you closer to the Master. He will show you who Jesus is and always lead you to a closer personal character growth and development. He will charge your spirit with growth and fruit production, not just goosebumps on your flesh. So today as your pastor, I want to speak to you as a watchman. And there will still be a king on his throne, and he still reigns. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness. So there's such a thing as government, the government of Jesus Christ, his kingdom, and he is the king. And you can't get that government just sitting in church and hearing sermons. You can't get that government by going to a special meeting or a seminar. You, you get under the government of Jesus Christ by being shut in with him, with his word in your hands, and you one-on-one -on -one meet Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit shows up, and you are governed, you are led, you are convicted, you are directed. You are under the government of Jesus Christ when you're seeking the face of the Lord. You're seeking God because there is a king who is reigning. Now, if you'll spend time with him, he will tell you what his heart is. The result of coming under the governance of Christ. The eyes of those who see will not be dim, and the ears of those who hear will listen. You will get a clear word from the Lord. And a message like this one finds good soil because you've got ears to hear. Because you spent time with him before you came here and are under his governance. And your posture is, I want Jesus to reign and rule in my life. I want Jesus to have control in my life. I don't want to do anything without consulting him. And here's one of the most tragic verses in all the word. This is the spirit of Simon. This is, this is what happens to those who don't want to pay the price. For the foolish person will speak foolishness. His heart will work iniquity to practice ungodliness. In other words, it's hypocrisy. To utter error against the Lord, to keep the hungry unsatisfied, and he will cause the drink of the thirsty to fail. When you sit under the anointed, loving, corrective word of God, God doesn't beat us down when he chastises us. He doesn't destroy us. He corrects us. He chastens out of love. It's a great act of mercy. He's bringing him back, bringing us back to himself and to his ways. And what's the result of not seeking God? of failing to return to the Lord, of trying to play act out the Christian walk. Any man, woman, full of hypocrisy, 
There is no life in them. Nothing is imparted. Nothing is given. People will leave the same way they came in, still hungry, still thirsty. Dad, you are the priest of your home. If you're living in hypocrisy, all your words to your family are in vain. Those who are hungry, you leave them hungrier. Thirsty, you leave them thirstier. You will dry up their souls. Let me close with a good word. Amen? Positive. Good news. I've seen the manifestation of the Holy Spirit all my life. As far back as my brain can remember and recall, I have been in a church where the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit has been seen in so many ways I cannot recount them to you. Amazing things I have beheld. The ones I recall the most, however, when there was an unseen hand working on the platform and the Holy Spirit was in charge orchestrating the service and the sovereign work of the Holy Spirit motivated his people to confess to the Lord and to call on the name of the Lord and to ask forgiveness from one another for wrongs and to be cleansed because there was harbored bitterness or speaking of evil or gossiping. There then were healings of diseases as a result of that. Oh, wow. Hearts were changed. The Holy Spirit is activated because His Word has spoken as a sharp, two-edged sword, and it found its mark. I mean, it comes right down to the core of who we are. It found hearts hungry, found hearts repentant, and the Holy Spirit began to work in the service. And people repented and confessed, and they wept, and they walked out in purity, and they walked out in power, and they walked out without the wheelchair, and they walked out without the cane, and there were miracle transformations inside and out. In one hour, I've seen God change a whole church. The true manifestation of the Holy Spirit brings great results. And when he has come, Jesus said, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So in all of your praying and seeking of the Lord, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to deal with the issues of your heart, if you don't make things right with your brother, if you're talking smack about your spiritual leadership, if that's in you, you will not come into the fullness of Christ. There's no way one word will grow in you into the image of Jesus as long as you have bitterness and gossip and that spirit in your core. That has to be laid bare before the Lord. Now, you'll want to run here and there and look for a quick, instant impartation instead of the presence of the Lord. So you can line up on a platform. You can line up at an altar and receive an impartation. If you still have bitterness in your spirit, if you've still got rebellion in your spirit, once prayed for, the person now with that rebellion and that bitterness now with this impartation, goes to others thinking, I've got an impartation, right? And you're going to go lay hands on somebody else, and what do you think you're going to impart? You're going to impart bitterness and rebellion and jealousy and addiction because you've got that in you. And that's why Paul told Timothy, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands and do not share in the sins of others. So be careful. Calvary, revival comes when we have repentant hearts. When at the core of our being, we are laid bare before the Lord. And if you walk in church and harbor bitterness or anger 
or hatred or jealousy, no personal revival will come to you. Because the Holy Spirit can't fix that. You have to confess that. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be what? Put away from you. Something we do. Put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Are you listening? God loves you and will deal with each of us in a loving way. And there's wonderful cleansing, a desire for everything he has. I don't want the Holy Spirit to bypass me. I want everything God has for me. And I look around and I see the faithfulness of the Lord. And I say, God, I don't ever want to lose sight of your faithfulness. And this divine order, I love his divine order. I will not sell it cheap by listening to somebody else's ugly, filthy jokes, trash talk, smack, or gossip. I want no jealousy in my spirit, no selfish ambition, no pride, nothing against anyone else. Take away all hypocrisy because I want nothing to hinder the flowing of the Holy Spirit in my heart and in the body of Christ. Because in these days, the things I'm seeing in the culture, I need the Holy Spirit as never before. I need His conviction. I need Him to convince me His word like a sword, hearing his word, obeying it. Because Jesus said, knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience. Doing what my Father wills. I can see it now, he said, at the final judgment, thousands strutting to, to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored project had everybody talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You didn't impress me one bit. You're out of here. Hmm. We're facing days like we've never seen in our lifetimes. We heard a news report, we'll find out if it's true or not, that the DOD is talking about restricting military personnel from being able to share Jesus with other military personnel under threat of court-martial. We're going to check to see if that's accurate. We've also heard this week and seen on the news a public school teacher removed from his position because he gave a Bible to a student in the class who asked for a Bible. Let's think of where we are today in this culture. The Bible was the textbook for all public schools in America at one time. It was the textbook. You opened your Bible and read from it, and you learned how to read from your Bible. You learned how to write by studying the Bible. That's historical fact. The Bible was the textbook. Congress printed Bibles at taxpayer expense to be given to the military. That's historical fact. Now, teachers fired for handing a Bible to a student who asked for one in the classroom. Well, we're watching the attempt to destroy what's called biblical marriage in America. Who would have thought that? The foundations that make us who we are, the stability and the strength of who we are, being attacked, ridiculed, mocked, morning after pill. Plan B, 15-year-old girl can walk in, Buy the pill. Don't want a pregnancy. She can't buy a pack of cigarettes. She can buy a pill. Take care of the business of pregnancy. Listen to me. Look, as you look at this, we're facing days like we've never seen. Times we've never known. 
a murder of babies by the millions of the unborn in our history. It's unprecedented. Murder, onslaught. Now babies born alive, killed on the table because we don't want them. People downcast because of what they're seeing on the earth. Men's hearts failing them for fear. Looking for a shortcut. There is no shortcut remedy to this. Looking for an instant peace or an instant touch. Make me feel good. Calvary, we need to go to the closet of the Lord. There in secret, he will speak to us. And if we embrace the Holy Spirit in these uncertain times, we'll be like the sons of Issachar, the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do with a word from the Lord. He's spoken to us today. And when we heed his truth, there are always good results. And then he gives us a promise to restore. This is hope for our community. This is hope for America. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully. He will cause rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat. Vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust have eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you. Boy, he throws that in the middle of that promise right there, reminding us God will allow chastisement when we stray from him. But now watch. But you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be put to shame. That's a promise. If we'll do what he asks, we've got this promise. And then there's a promise for your children and your family. It shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you, Lord. I don't know about you. I want my whole family serving God. The Holy Spirit is in this room today. And he promises, I'll pour out my spirit. I'll bless you. I'll restore. We've still got time in America, folks. Still got time in our community to call on the Lord. Just like Hezekiah did in that moment when the prophet said, get your house in order, it's over. But he called on the name of the Lord and reminded God, my heart is right towards you. I'm serving you with everything I have. If we can get our hearts right with God and serve him with everything we have, saints, I believe there's still hope for America, hope for our community, that God will restore to us everything that he promised us. He said, and if you repent and turn and do what I ask, I'll not remember your past sins. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know about you. That will make somebody say, thank you, Lord. But how have you neglected your fellowship with Jesus? When's the last time you really got down to business with him? Or did you only pray when you had a crisis? If you make a commitment to the Lord today to seek him, and you start out by seeking him by saying, you know, Lord, I have missed it. I have. And ask the Holy Spirit to assist you to have renewed communion and fellowship with him. We can do some of that tonight, too, at his table. 
and God will forgive the previous neglect. He'll restore all the years that the canker worm has eaten, and you'll have fellowship again, sweet communion, and the blessing of the Lord. And you'll walk in the Spirit, not after the flesh. Because he promised you would not miss anything because he said, I will restore everything. I'll restore everything that's been eaten away in your life. That means there's great hope for us personally, hope for our community, hope for the entire country, that God would restore everything to us. But it's going to take a people who are not afraid to speak or ashamed to take God's word and make it known and pray and ask the Lord. Let's stand right now and ask.